When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Stroko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. Elo, hello. Trace, hello. We're coming up on the fastest UCF show out there. UCF's going bowling. But which bowl game are they going to? And what the Trace is going to explain what the heck happened to UCF basketball. All coming up on this <laughs> edition around the kingdom. It's only a 30 minute show, but I actually you could just sum it up in about 30 seconds. So we may be quick in that segment. Before we get going, let's welcome in the third member of this team, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF, keeping us on our toes, keeping an eye on the clock. Adam, hello. Gentlemen, great to be back for another week. I can't believe this season's over. As much as it's a grind, it goes by too fast. But we have a bowl game, so we get to extend it a little, bit, a little bit more content. Adam, we'll check back with you soon. What went right, Elo? UCF 27, Houston 23. Knights become bowl eligible in that heated rivalry game, that game for space against the Cougars. But the Knights get the win, and they close out three out of their last four after that five-game losing streak. It looked dire. Well, listen, don't joke about the heat, because that cost Dana Hogerson his job, all right? UCF got Dana Hogerson fired. Forget the other seven losses Houston had over the season. Hey, how about the UCF defense, Trace? And Addison Williams, can we, 13 points allowed, played well in the last month, shut down the Cougars offensively, really did a great job. Outside of that first drive in the first quarter, they dominated that Houston offense, and good way for this defense here to at the end of the year, the way they played. Yeah, definitely so. I know we've talked about it, the legacy of John Rice Plumley in what may be his last game in the bounce house, unless there's a cure bowl in the mix uh, for him. Uh, he, he looked pretty good, pretty clean game for him, uh, and he finishes strong for the Knights during the regular season. But R.J. Harvey, the story again, another strong game for him and the offensive line running the football I don't think UCF – did you feel ever during the second half UCF was threatening that game? Because I did not. Yeah, I know You know the defense made a great stand there holding Houston to a field goal to make it 27-13. I never felt threatened. UCF had that long drive, 8 up clock. I thought the game was done around early fourth quarter. Uh, after that Baylor game, and as a long-time uh, UCF fan, until it is 0-0-0 on the clock, I do not breathe – easily watching the Knights play. Let's give a shout out. You mentioned RJ Harvey, but how about the offensive line? There have been different combinations of guys. And we went into this season hearing from uh, offensive line coach Herb Hand and head coach Gus Malzahn that this was a deep unit, eight, nine guys deep. They had multiple guys 
play center. But throughout the season, they played pretty consistently. And again, you don't get the performance that you had from R.J. Harvey over the course of the season without the strength of the offensive line. So a tip of the hat to them, not only in this game, but over the course of the season. You can make the case this is the best UCF offensive line has played throughout the year since maybe 2017, dare we say, 18 range there. And Herb Hand deserves a ton of credit for that. I think he's done a great job, and I think he's very important in Gus's staff moving forward. If UCF wants to compete in the Big 12, it's in the line of scrimmage, and I think the offensive line, this was a positive year, and Herb Hand deserves a ton of credit for that. So I agree with you 100%. And let's give credit to Addison Williams. Much maligned early in the year. I think they found some answers in the second half of the year with some of the young players stepping up their level of play on the defensive side of the ball. And let's just say that we've heard Gus Malzahn say that this was a resilient team. They could have folded, right? They could have caved in that locker room, but they didn't. They fought their way to bowl eligibility, winning three of the final four after shaking off that five-game losing streak. So let's give them credit for resiliency to uh, end the season. Resiliency, baby. So you mentioned it. UCF will play another game. As they're bowl eligible at six and six. The question is, where will they be playing, Trace, in a bowl game? And where do you want them to play in a bowl game? Completely selfish reasons for me because of the availability of the game. But playing in the Cure Bowl, now played in the bounce house, works best for me. I don't know that it is the best bowl option for UCF. But let me ask you this, and we've talked a little bit about this. We've joked about FS2 and all the FS1 games. Do the TV networks, ESPN, controlling so many of these bowl games, do they like UCF in its first year in the Big 12 as a TV draw? May that play a factor? I know there's some storylines, perhaps playing South Florida, a little you know, revival of the war on I-4. But maybe UCF, not the most attractive brand for bowl considerations this bowl season. No doubt about it. UCF on track to maybe have their least watched football season on television since 2016. That's hard to believe, right? It's wild, isn't it? But I think, you know, you're right. They're a 6-6 six and six Big 12 team, not as attractive as a hey, up-and-comer, you know, G5 team. Here's my thoughts. I wrote about this on blackandgobanneret.com about their bowl scenario. They're in a tri- tough spot. If they stay in in the state, their options are Cure Bowl or Gasparilla. You're probably playing a G5 school in those bowl games. People are talking about South Florida. UCF get benefits, nothing from playing that game. I don't think South Florida wants that game either. Do you want? If you're South Florida, you finally had a, a good season for the first time in five years. Do you want to spend the next few weeks being compared to UCF and how they're in the Big 12 and you're not? No, I don't think they want that either. So I think if UCF wants to get a Power 5 game, they got to go out of state. But that means the fans don't get to travel. It's a really tricky spot, but that's what happens when you're a 6-16. Six and 16. Well, and these bowls also sell the notion that they bring in traveling fans, which I don't expect many from UCF to travel to a Fort Worth or what have you. But is do you get the hotel nights if the game is played in the bounce house? <gasps> Probably don't. So from that standpoint, maybe they end up out of state. Well, we talked about bowl and bowl eligibility so they finished six and six elo winning three of the last four snapping that five game losing streak there that was in the middle of all that is it a successful first season in the big 12 for you i don't think it's a successful season i don't think it's a failure but i don't think it's a successful season it's a 500 season overall i don't think you shoot for 500 i mean 500 that reminds me of my academic time at ucf trades where i just got by i didn't celebrate getting a c in the course all right Neither should anybody. I'm stunned that people really are celebrating this as a major accomplishment. I think they accomplished the minimum. 
Plus, we don't know if it's going to be a winning season or not. What if they lose the bowl game? And it's a losing season. You're celebrating a losing season. I don't think it's a failure, but I think it's a, it's not a success because you probably should have won. You left a, a game or two on the uh, on the field. In my opinion, it's a win. I love that notion, though, that they left a game or two out there. They barely got by Boise State, right? And they barely beat Cincinnati. So don't those sort of cancel out, right, that they left well, wins they out there? They, they could have easily lost those games as well. They finish the best of the new teams, the newcomers, into the Big 12, and they become bowl eligible. Is it a 9-3 and three season? Do you celebrate as a wildly successful season? No, but they beat those teams out. They became bowl eligible. For me, going into the season where we were talking about 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, that makes it a success. You're treating this as even if they lose a bowl game. What if they lose to the Cows in a bowl game? You're still calling it a success? Well, we'll have that topic come back up. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my point. Here's the problem. I agree with what you're saying about the boys, how it cancels out, except you blew a 28-point lead at home, your home opener. That's a game you have to win against a team that was one of the worst teams in the Big 12. You're 7-5 and five there. That's a winning season. I, I, I just hate the word success, a, a successful season. I just don't think it is. I'm not saying it's a failure. But this idea that, oh, everybody, everything's hunky-dory and there was columns being written about, hey, it doesn't matter what the win-loss record was. This year was a success because you're in the Big 12. Give me a break. You're here to win games. And I don't believe, Trace, you tell me. You talk to Coach Malzahn every media availability. He didn't sound like a guy that was just happy to be 6-6. Six and six. I think deep down he's disappointed with this season considering the potential departures they're going to have from this team. They're going to be a young team next year, Trace. I think if your choices are success or failure, you have to choose success. You're trying to hedge in between the two. And you mentioned the Baylor game. We're all going to remember the Baylor game, but we're also going to remember the Oklahoma State win, which to me cancels out that Baylor win. Your record is what you are, right? So they got the two games. Maybe they shouldn't have Boise State, Cincinnati. Cincinnati plays better at the end. Uh, they maybe win that game. Uh, and there's a lot of what is. UCF was competitive across the schedule, except that Kansas game. So I think that also contributes to the success. Who is this guy, Trace? What are you, positive Trace here? Successful year? Come on, give me a break. All right. Uh, Saturday was senior day for UCF. Lots of players playing their last game, a part of a large senior group. Some players, obviously, we don't know yet what their future is. But obviously, uh, Trace, my question to you, who are you going to miss the most of the players that we know of definitely has played their last game in the bounce house and maybe only has one game left, or maybe they don't play in the bowl. I think the easy answer when you talk about it is John Rice Plumley, but I think as long as you find the right quarterback, which is always the challenge, I, I think we'll remember him as an up and down uh, tenure with UCF. Traymond Morris Brash for me is who UCF is going to miss most amongst the league leaders, what eight and a half sacks, uh, one of the best in the country really came into his own this senior season. I think defensively, this is who UCF is going to miss the most of the players that will not have any more eligibility. Of course, we don't know if we're going to have an R.J. Harvey back or uh, Javon, you know, we don't know about those guys, but the guy's definitely not coming back. Traymond Morris Brush. Lokoha Paule. How do you pronounce it, Trace? Lokai Paule. Thank you. You're, you're, but so I'd you're, like you're, to hear you try it again. No, no, I just messed that up. But I will say, I'm going to miss him. How many different positions did he play for this team? Played at center, played in the guard, played at tackle. I mean, I mean, he seemed I like he played everywhere. Playing center over these last couple of weeks, right? With the injuries yeah. and, and the moving guys around. That was a surprise uh, in this season. 
big surprise. I think other than R.J. Harvey can make the case he's the MVP of this football team because of what he meant to this offensive line. I will miss John Rice Plumley too. I enjoy one of my favorite moments was calling his baseball game against Memphis right at right before he went to play in the spring game, the day he did the doubleheader. That was fun. That's a fun thing. He's represented the school very well. And uh, certainly I wish him well in what he does moving forward, which we don't know what he's going to do moving forward. But, uh, you know, you always, it's always unique to see these guys kind of move on after. And, you know, more less and less we see seniors sticking around for all four years at a program nowadays. It's harder to – now you see more transfers being involved in these senior days. Perhaps the biggest losses will be the ones that come from the portal, but that remains to be seen. That's a topic for next week's Around the Kingdom. You mentioned John Rice Plumley. It's been curious with regards to him. I asked at the media availability uh, of him, will we be seeing you in a baseball uniform? And I was actually surprised the way he hedged in his answer and then broadcasted the game, mentioning this may be his last game in any UCF uniform. I asked him about it after the game. I don't know anything about that. Will we see him playing baseball? Is it really up in the air? I find it hard to believe in November, almost December, that new baseball coach Rich Wallace does not know whether his starting center fielder will be back. That was weird, wasn't it? Eric College, Devin Garner, we've talked about them a lot. Were they there, by the way, or were they once again in studio? For the time? I don't know that. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> well, they probably weren't there. But I don't I believe think they was renting out that broadcast booth as a luxury suite. Now. We should do Around the Kingdom there. We should ask to do the show from there. Special guest appearance. Look, I think I don't think broadcasters that just got made up, right? I don't think they just decided, hey, he's retiring. That had to come from somewhere. And I think that decision's probably been made, whether he's debating it still, there's not a hundred percent done deal now. I I think he's done playing baseball. I think he, you know, there's the thinking is he wants to pursue the NFL. Good luck with that. I, Trace, I think we have seen the last. I think the bowl game will be the last time we see now John Rice Plumley wearing a night jersey, either football or baseball at this point. We've heard this through the years, right? The advice that uh, players get from family, friends, and others, their draft grades, these sorts of things. What do you think his prospects, we can debate this in the weeks ahead, what do you think his prospects are playing professional football? There's certainly an XFL, a USFL. Is he an NFL quality player, though? I don't know, man. I, I think he's more of a baseball prospect. I know. I'm, But then again, I don't know what his thinking is. Is he willing to change positions and play in the NFL? Would he be willing to play in the spring football league that you love so much and cover? The only person that actually covers the league. You and Kyle <laughs> Nash covering the league. Would he be willing to play there if he doesn't get drafted in the NFL? Those are questions that I do wonder about if he's willing to do that. And if he doesn't want to do that, maybe that's when he decides to go back to baseball down the road. I don't know. Will he opt out of a bowl game? Something else we will have to Whoa. Let's bring back in Adam. Time for some silliness, Adam. Silliness starts after Sultry Spirit, my friends, because they are the official sponsor of Around the Kingdom. Uh, and if you want to get involved with them, here's how you do that. Reach out to them at the Sultry Spirit on Instagram or call 941-567-7062. They will make your party sing. They will make a creative cocktail twist on the things that are already out there. You'll have a good time. They will cater your event. They're a mobile bartending service. So you tell them where to go. They will be there and they will bring the fun with them. Maybe you're having a bowl watching party. And you, you can't go to the Cure Bowl. And so you want to have Sultry Spirit by to have some drinks so you can drink away your sorrows. They can help you with that again. At the Sultry Spirit on Instagram or 941-567-7062. Reach out to them. Miles is the uh, gentleman who's running that. He's a friend of the program and a really nice guy. So give them a, a give them a buzz and they will spice up your next party. All right, gentlemen. I've got a four-pack of fun, silly questions. 
Eric, I'm going to start with you. We were just talking about John Rice Plumley. So here's a multiple choice question for you. John Rice Plumley's football career is A, above expectations, B, met expectations, C, below expectations, or D, incomplete. JRP's UCF football career. Wow, you're coming in with these hard questions. See, this is why I barely passed in classes with these multiple This is supposed questions. to be the silly fun part of the yeah, show. Multiple hard choice. Hard. That's what makes it silly. I'm going to say incomplete because he the injuries. I you know, What kind of year would he have had if he didn't get hurt in the Boise game? What if he didn't get concussed last year? There was upside. I thought he was playing well this year. I'm going to say incomplete, just incomplete because he missed too much time. It's kind of like that student that missed too much class time. That kind of hurts the grade. I feel like incomplete is the correct answer, but I'll say below expectations. Whose expectations? Mm -hmm. The fan base's expectations. After that battle with Mikey Keene and the emergence of John Rice Plumley out of that camp, fans had greater expectations than to see him get off injured, lose to Tulane, get injured this season. I'd say below expectations on the part of the fan base. All right, you both mentioned the dreaded transfer portal. Obviously, the, the portal opens next week, but a lot of names out there right now. So again, Trace, I'll start with you. Multiple choice. The transfer portal is A, exciting, B, depressing, C, frustrating, or D, I have no feelings about it. Mm. Frustrating, I have said uh, to multiple people today messaging me, what's the latest on the portal? I find it exhausting. It is not a particularly enjoyable part of the season for me. Uh, UCF's going to lose guys, and uh, we're going to get guys we don't know anything about. I find it frustrating, exhausting. You said depressing was option B? Uh, yeah, exciting, depressing, frustrating. I have no feelings. I think it's depressing because you're going to have guys leave, and we're going to overreact to it, and it's like, what's wrong with the program or not? And it's become like professional sports, which is free agency, guys changing teams every other year. The beauty of college foot sports was you have that attachment to somebody that went to the school, same school you did for three, four years. We lose some of that. So, I mean, to me, it's a little depressing. All right, let's go with the fun ones then, since you guys want the fun. To, and Monday, or rather Tuesday, news broke that Arkansas was bringing back former head coach Bobby Petrino to become their <laughs> offensive coordinator. So, if you could pick any former UCF head coach to come back as an assistant on this staff, Eric, who would you want former UCF head coach to come back and be an assistant on staff right now? Oh, it's a no brainer, man. We bring boy or boy, Scott Frost back, baby. Let's go bring him back. Good times. Once again, we could talk Chicago Cubs with him. Trace and, Trace and Scott Frost bonding over their Cubs love affair. Bring back Scott Frost to help out in the offense there. Even though I thought Darren Henshaw did a great job, but, Scott Frost, undefeated head coach. Uh, it's got to be Scott Frost over uh, Josh Heupel uh, and, and George O'Leary uh, past his prime. So it's got to be Scott uh, Frost. Uh, There's a lot more in Scott Frost to have. Mike Kruzek would like a word, if I, if I may say so myself. All right, here's the last one. Uh, news today that Harvard will allegedly offer a class in 2024 that is on the life of Taylor Swift. If you had to teach a class at a university, a non-traditional class on the subject you know best, Trace, what class are you teaching? Trace, Professor Trelko walks in the room. Welcome to Blank 101. What class are you teaching? Come on. Seinfeld 101. Okay. okay. That's that's easy. Eric, what's your what's your what's your course? Uh I ooh, that's good. He took that site. I would say, how about the history? 
of television sitcoms. What happened? <laughs> okay. When did it go dead? When did it go, you know, when in its peak? Valley, you yeah. know, it's it's years from now. People won't even re realize, wait, there were sitcoms and TV shows that used to draw 30, 40 million? See, I thought you were going to say TV ratings 101. That would be a fascinating. I'd sign up for that. That's part of it, though. That's part of the TV show uh, course, you know, TV ratings and the, the impact on the show. I can't wait for the lesson on who's the boss, Eric. <laughs> Don't, Dan's a baby. Let's Rock. let's offer both these classes. Sign up. Uh, we'll we'll do yeah. them over Zoom. It can be well, one of your uh, virtual classes. Well, speaking of who's the boss, Trace, who's going to be the boss this Saturday in Arlington? when Texas and Oklahoma State play in the Big 12 championship game? Well, you know, wire to wire, this has really been um, Texas's season. And it's debatable whether Brett Yormark wants them, wants the payday that comes with Texas, right, in, in postseason, but would love to see one of his returning teams. UCF handled this Oklahoma State team. I don't know, would UCF fans uh, be happy seeing that the champion of the Big 12 be a team that they destroyed 45-3? It feels like Texas – uh, Double-digit, two-touchdown uh, underdogs, or, uh, favorites, uh, Texas. Texas is the safe pick here. Yeah, I think UCF fans are rooting for Oklahoma State to win just for that. You know that graphic's going to pop up on social media, Trace. If Oklahoma State wins, it's like, hey, congrats. And then we'll have the score graphic of the 45-3. Hey, we beat the Big 12 champions. Uh, I think it's going to be a closer game than you think. I, I think if Ollie Gordon gets off to a good start, Texas might have some problems. I'm going to pick Texas. I don't believe Oklahoma State can, you know, can throw enough against Texas, but Texas seems to make things interesting in these games sometimes. But I think Texas wins by, I'll say, by a touchdown, 37-30, uh, and stay in the mix for the playoff. They're going to need some help, probably Florida State to lose, maybe Alabama to lose so that Alabama doesn't jump them, which could be controversial. All in all, though, I got to tell you, as I shifted from a decade of following the American into the Big 12, which, you know, casually watched before. I really enjoyed watching these games uh, over the course of the season. And it was a real race to see who would play Texas, as we talked about week in and week out. I think it's an exciting brand of football, and I'm looking forward to the addition of these other uh, Pac-12 teams. I, I found it enjoyable. By the way, I don't know that I necessarily think Texas wins by 14. We saw with the rivalry games, all of them really close. Alabama, Auburn, Washington, Washington State, maybe Oregon uh, took care of business a little bit, but tight games and uh, I would expect this to be uh, the same as well. All right, let's pick up some time here. Let's make this one real short. Uh, Eli mentioned it off the top of the show. I got to tell you, men's basketball, we were already going to dread Big 12 play. I thought that the non-conference portion of the season was setting up that UCF probably going to lose at Miami and may lose at home to Ole Miss. I didn't have Donnie Jones coming in and, and beating Johnny Dawkins. I didn't have that one. Pretty bad. Uh, pretty bad loss. Here's my concerns right now from what I've seen from UCF basketball here, Trace. Defensively, I don't think we're very good. We're giving up an average of 71 points per game. Last year, they gave up 65 and a half per game, so six points more. They're giving up nearly eight threes per game, 35% shooting from three, which is how Stetson came back in the second half. They were drilling threes and making their free throws. They've already given up 80 points or more in three games this year out of the first six games. They only gave up 80 points or more six times the entire year last year. If they want to have a chance, Trace, in the Big 12 to be competitive and finish strong in the non-conference, the defense has got to pick up. This is not a Johnny Dawkins-type team. They're not a team that's going to win 82-80 games on a consistent basis. Jalen Sellers has been a standout for the Knights. 
but he can't carry this team. You're going to need contributions from other guys. If you can shut him down or limit him a bit, who's stepping up to score? Who's hitting those threes? Uh, he had 34 points in a loss at home to Stetson. So what happens when they play Big 12 games? I mean, you know, defensively, these Big yeah. 12 teams are going are gonna to clamp down on him. You're going to need to see other guys emerge. Uh, but I agree with you defensively. And this is what Johnny Dawkins always talks about. That's what he prides himself in. Defense drives the offense. Uh, where's the defense? Jalen Sellers told you in the postgame that they didn't have the attention to detail on guarding the three or something. He said something there in the postgame. which They said they didn't execute the game plan, that they studied it, that they knew what they were going to do, and that they didn't come prepared for it. I thought he was pretty candid in that. I was a little surprised by his response. Yeah, that's not good. That's this is you think is I think this is the worst non-conference loss in the Dawkins era, considering who it is against. Look, Stetson might be competitive compete for the Ace Sun title, but you can't lose to Stetson at home. Not when you need every win matters before you get to Big 12. Bad loss. Bad loss, Trace. Bad loss. Uh speaking of losses. Oh boy. <laughs> uh volleyball finished off their season with losses. Going to losing at Iowa State and where are all you volleyball people that a month ago said they were cruising in the Big Twelve? Yeah, not so much. They uh, they left. Uh, UCF volleyball ended up losing ten. What was it? Ten of their last eleven matches, which they only won seven sets. On the positive side, women's basketball undefeated. Trace, what? Uh, They went. They went out of the country to win a couple three games there. What what jumps out to you from the the other Olympic sports going on? Certainly the disappointment that volleyball just needed a couple of wins, maybe get to that 20-win mark and could not do it home or away. And kudos to women's basketball. They're taking care of business so far. They also projected to be dead last in the Big 12, but at least they're doing their part. 6-0, and racking up the wins in non-conference play. The men can't say that. Volleyball, the biggest takeaway from me from volleyball moving forward. They, got, they finished ninth in the Big 12, which is what their conference was projected for. But they got to prove they can win without McKenna Melville. In fifteen se- the last 15 seasons where McKenna Melville was not part of the program, UCF's only had one NCAA tournament bid. They have not, you know, with McKenna, they were five for five. That's the big question, not just from me, Trace, but from people that follow volleyball on a daily basis. That's the reputation of UCF volleyball is, can they win without McKenna Melville? And they're not a program that's ever made a deep run. That's the big questions for volleyball. So we'll see if they can answer that down the road. Season's over now. No postseason for volleyball. Elo, let's give some final grades. How about men's soccer? The uh, tailspin at the end, bounced out of the Sun Belt tournament. First round loss uh, in the NCAA tournament there for them. Uh, what's your final grade? I'm giving men's soccer a B minus. Look, they mm. got to the NCAA tournament for the you know right, which was not expected before the year. They beat Clemson, which I think is the biggest regular season win in the Calabrese era. By the way, Clemson still alive in the quarterfinals, and a lot of people think might be the favorites to win the College Cup, Trace. We might be able to say we beat the defend, uh, the eventual College Cup champions. Go figure. I know that is there the a NBA trophy was, for that? Is there a trophy that comes with that? I'm sure we'll, if, if, we'll find it if there is one. A banner. <laughs> I know that, look, the ending was bad, and that's why I have it as a B-, minus. but I still do think it was a good year. I'm just going to go with a B. I think where they were prior to that tailspin at the end, you can't discount all of that. They were number one in the country. Those are program-building moments. Give them a straight B. What about women's soccer? I give uh, women's soccer a C. 
They mm. were just one of the first four out of the NCAA tournament. They had a rash of injuries. They finished sixth in the regular season Big 12, which is what they were projected to do. They got to the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament where they lost to the eventual College Cup participant, BYU. So not a great year. There were maybe a match or two away from the tournament. But all things considered, I give them a C. I think your grade scale is harsh here. One of the last four out and all of the injuries put me down for a B minus. Based on your grading so far, I don't have good hopes that you're going to give a positive grade to volleyball. Where were you as my professor back when I was a student? I would have taken you. Uh, volleyball, I got C minus. Just a rough ending. And it look, we knew the gauntlet at the end. But they only won seven sets, Trace. That was rough to watch. It was a rebuilding year, so I give it a C minus. Put me down for a C. Going to take the positives in the beginning of the season and the lessons learned from the tail end of the season. Give them a straight C. Let's bring back in Positive Adam. Trace on this show. I am. This has been all positive half hour for me. I'm, I'm getting ready to prepare the Seinfeld 101 that we'll be doing on next week's Around the Kingdom. Uh, Adam, what's, what do we got? I feel like I could do well in that class, Trace. All right, here's some fun facts. For the second straight year, a college coach was fired after losing to UCF. Jeff Collins was fired from Georgia Tech. Now Dana Holgerson, fun fact there. You mentioned the offensive line shuffling that took place. We had another shuffle on Saturday when uh, Bula Schmidt came in at center after Tylen Grable went out. Everybody moved around. So again, another offensive line shuffle. Tough to know if six and six is good. Really, the only comparable we have is, is, is relative peer competition. TCU in 2012 went seven and five in their first year in the Big 12. So do with that information what you will. You guys talked about JRP and going to football at first and, and maybe trying that first. There is precedent for that. If you look back in history, Drew Henson was a guy who decided he was going to go to the NFL first and went back to baseball. Um, the former Dallas Cowboy, Chad Hutchinson, went to baseball, then came over to football as well. So there is precedent potentially for a, a guy switching sports. So maybe that's where JRP's uh, thought process is. I was curious about Johnny and Donnie. Uh, do you know which of those two coaches has the most career wins? Anybody? I'm going to say Johnny. Johnny's I'd correct. Johnny Six, yeah. 16 years, 495 wins. Donnie, 14 years, 411 wins, uh, in case you were judging home. And if Oklahoma State does indeed uh, beat Texas this weekend, how quickly after the game will somebody make the joke on Twitter that UCF's going to claim a national championship? <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, thank you, Adam. Elo, the word is unlucky. Collegefootballdata.com says UCF was the second unluckiest team in the country based on win expectancies. UCF expected to win nine games, finished with six. Most unlucky, Nebraska, which certainly seems with all of their close losses over the last couple of seasons and again this season, that one they have earned the title. What, do you, what about you? You think unlucky uh, fits the bill is a word you would use to describe portions of this UCF season? I want to know how they explained how we are unlucky to blow a 28 point lead, but uh, I could see what they're talking about. But are these systems, right? Last year, UCF basketball was one of the top five, 10 unluckiest basketball teams. Now we got one of the unluckiest football teams. What do we got to do to change the luck around here? That's what I want. To do. <laughs> uh, win more games. Uh, look for new episodes midweek, every week on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Drops later on the audio feed, wherever you get your downloadable content. We thank Adam for Eric Lopez. I'm Trey Stroko, and thank you for watching Around the Kingdom. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.